All right. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So you're you're metering there. You can see both channels are Hello. registering. Yep. Both channels. They're okay. Good. So. Yes. I have some. I don't know if it's good news, but interesting news for you. Yes. I may have found the first and only video game I will ever play. All right. Um, this should be good. As you know, over the last year or so, Beth Massa has had some very near misses with, um, <clears throat> shall we just call it um, urgency? bladder urgency there have been a couple of moments where I've really really almost lost it full breaking of the dam actually mean that peed peed in my pants yeah Yeah. so what's happening in these um, proto twilight years is that you feel like you have to go to the bathroom and then oh my god you have to go to the bathroom right now there's no like oh i can wait for hours that's right not happening anymore so my gynecologist the brilliant dr lila umbargi that i have mentioned many times recommended that i get this and i'm holding this up like product placement and advertisement oh yeah kegel exercisers with app now we are already kicking off this morning's podcast in the tmi realm but um, I said, oh, I do my Kegel exercises or Kegel, Kegel, I guess. That's how you pronounce it. And she said, OK, well, let's see. So she, you know, puts a couple of fingers in there and she's like, OK, go ahead and, you know. Yeah. Push me on. And right. flex. And I'm like, I'm flexing. She's like, no, flex now. I'm like, I am. She's like, no, not your butt. Like, not your thigh yep. muscles. I'm, like, I'm doing it. She said, OK, your Kegel muscles are really weak and that's why you're having trouble. So they have these new, I should get, this should be like our first paid placement on the podcast. She recommended, and therefore I bought the Parafit, Parafit Care. And she said to me, now it just looks like a tampon and I'm pulling it out here for the first time. And I saw this, I think on bowl.com. And I said, doctor, let's just, let's just say what it looks like. It looks like a little vibrator, not a tampon. Okay. Okay. She says, yes, well, that's fine. But anyway, it comes with this little video game. So you hook it up and it has a Bluetooth in sure. it and you, sure. well, insert it and then you can play little games with it. And you can, if you're kegling, the triggers like a little thing where you can shoot stuff or I don't know. There's all yeah. different types of games you can play with it on your phone. So sure. I will be playing a video game on my phone. But when you see me doing sort that, of, you should yeah. know that there's something else right. going on down, down below. Yeah. No, that's good. That's be how all video games. So we'll are see played. if this helps me not, yep. you know, pee my pants anymore. Yep. Look, it looks like really fun. You can like shoot hearts, or you can shoot little stars. Sure. Um, can. have fun doing kegels. I'm gonna have. I could track right. my workouts. So. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I had uh, a, a gentleman who's my age as well, who's uh, describing it to me as. Uh, I always have to pee, except when I'm actually peeing. <laughs> <Which> <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty much how things feel these days. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the only time I don't have to pee is when I'm going to the toilet. Yeah, I can't hear anyway. you in my mic. So uh, what's wrong? That's what I was asking you. If yeah, that's what I was asking you. I think if the you're... headphones aren't plugged in, yeah. but I can see that you are being recorded. This is what happened when I was interviewing Honey when huh? the, when the audio got weird. Yeah, because you're not actually monitoring what's happening. That's, I am that's... monitoring it. I can see your little well, you, bar going up and down. No, I'm saying you're not monitoring it if you're not. <clears throat> I don't hear you in, my you headphones. in the headphones. That's what I'm saying. If you so, yeah. we're gonna pause this for a sec. All right, we're back. Yes, I had, um, it was basically a scroll down situation. I had the headphone volume dial turned all the way down, so. Uh, yes, just, yeah, mm -hmm. so just the headphone amp. Yeah. Turned all the way down. Yep. Lots of things to go wrong. But what we still don't know is uh, if the the position of the faders, if the recording is actually working just a signal going in there, or if you also need fader level, but you'll just keep it the way it is. It seems to be working. Well, for it sounds you. really good in my headphones. Well, yeah, but that's not exactly what goes to tape, so to speak. Anyway, on my drive home, I was listening to the radio station called Joe, which plays yep. all your favorite hits from the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Yeah, good it was much better station. format when they didn't have the nineties. And there yeah. was a song that came on that I never heard before, but I instantly, instantly knew, listening to the lyrics that it because the lyrics were in English that it was a Dutch band, and if it was a Dutch band from the seventies, eighties, and nineties, then it certainly could only have been Golden Earring, which of course it was. And I was the lyrics were so ridiculous. Um, which was my tip off that it was, you know, a Dutch person trying to write lyrics in English that I was desperately trying to remember a few so that I could look them up and, and share this with you. Um, we did find the song. The song is indeed um, from Golden Earring, recorded or released in 1984. Follow it's, up to uh, their stream success, the Twilight Zone that they enjoyed. Yep, from Rocky yep. Three. Oh, no, that's no, Eye of the Tiger. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Twilight Zone. But that, that video was in heavy rotation, mm -hmm. um, at least on the channel. So we watched, yes. This song is called When the Lady Smiles. And the so the lyrics. So we started paying attention to Dutch people writing lyrics in English with Elsa de... Ilsa de Longa. Ilsa yeah. de Longa. And her Puzzle Me. Puzzle too. Me song. And it just it just doesn't make any sense and i don't understand if you are going to write lyrics in english that's fine but just check with an english a native english speaker to make sure that the lyrics make any sort of sense i mean not just poetic or metaphorical but just you know fine but even in that context they yeah. it's just it just doesn't it's just not english it's yeah i mean well so they they take phrases i think and they sometimes misunderstand exactly um who is it uh was it mocha or uh bluff uh somebody also i think i think it was mocha um they had something they talked to a place where the sun doesn't shine yeah. now that that's a problem when yeah. you're asking to go to a place where the sun doesn't shine as a native English speaker. There's yeah, there's only one place where the sun doesn't shine on the Calverstraat. No, the Leidsestraat. No, the Calvert. Which one is the one that dead ends into the Leidsestraat? That must be the Leidsestraat. Yep. Yeah, but there are this like the shopping area. Yeah. There's this very high end. It's not really a head shop. All they sell is CBD or um, uh, magic <laughs> mushrooms. 
that's a head shop. <laughs> but, yeah, but other head yeah. shops are cheesy and they sell like um, gear and things like that, you know. Um, Paraphernalia. But this they is used this place is it it's this tiny little shop. It's very nice. Everything comes in very nice packaging. It's high end, but the shop is called Nature Calls. Right. <laughs> right. How? So it I mean, should just be a public restroom. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and they just did. They don't check up with that. So the I believe the Ilsa DeLonga song. I I don't know if it's actually called Puzzle Me, but like the lyrics are Puzzle Me. You know, spread my pieces out or whatever. I think it has, it has to do with like solving her or something, or I don't know, fixing her, or making her complete, something like that. But but yeah, she's using puzzle me when in fact, I, I don't know if she understands that the, when to be puzzled is something quite different. Yeah. Yes. She, no, she doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's lost. Um, so with when the lady smiles, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt thinking, well, they just have, you know, mixed metaphor, double entendre. I'm like, well, maybe they're just throwing these words out there because they're trying to think of any word that rhymes, but none of the lines rhyme. Right. <laughs> and it's got some really lovely extreme Dutch literalness in it, which is adorable. And then it just goes completely off the rails. And, and so I'm going to read this in full. Yes, please. Well, it's copyright infringement. But yeah, go when ahead. When the lady smiles, you know it drives me wild. It's a, sort of, it's a false rhyme. Her lips are warm and resourceful. Yeah, and that might... Now, yeah, Does that and mean I she can't can do give... a lot with her lips? Well... That's literally what it should mean, yeah. Um, and and this is the thing where, like, if a native English speaker did that, uh, I would probably tend to interpret it differently. But yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure how much innuendo they want. Her in a lips line like are that. warm and resourceful. <laughs> when her fingertips go drawing circles in the night, right. <laughs> So I'm already determining that this woman is really good at giving blowjobs because she knows what to do with her lips and she's also putting some hand hand situation in there. So sure. let's just, you know, we're thinking, you know, we're doing like, you, you know, what what a woman who's adept at this might might do a, a combo of a hand and if mouth. she's resourceful, if she's yeah. resourceful, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or if her lips are resourceful. That's right. <laughs> So, when her fingers go drawing circles in the night, and the mood is soft and sensual. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, oh, and I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's the answer to all my dreams. Wow. It, we have to infer what it is from the, you know, the first. Also, I don't, I the first lines in, in the verse, but I don't really think that there's a chorus in this song. Anyway, let's just keep going. It's the answer to all my dreams. Every time it feels like the earth is shaken, apostrophe. <laughs> okay. It doesn't matter. A glass is fallen. I hear it shatter. Maybe it's raining faster and faster. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe. It's raining faster and faster. Who, who knows? Raining just, fast. Well. And that's R-A, not R-E-I. Okay. Um, but what does it matter? Every time it feels like the earth is shaken. Okay, so the guy's, you know, about to I don't know. explode. Well, he's always um, jumped over a resourceful person. It doesn't matter. A glass has fallen. I hear it shatter. Maybe he says he's just so into it that the glass is falling. He doesn't, it doesn't even matter. But he should have put that at the end. 
Maybe it's raining faster and faster. Okay. So when the glass shatters, then fluid flows, presumably. Shadow dancing. So with the shadow dancing, I get it. But then I would be expecting a lyric about, you know, a candle and the light from the candle on the wall. Wait, we get, to, we get to walls in a minute, but there's no reference to candles. So anyway, okay. So now shadow dancing together, oh, I'm a betting on the game of love. Oh, 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 I, I'm betting that love is going to come out when the walls no Again. longer shout. When the love comes up. Back at me and I'm feeling proud. When the lady smiles, she holds me in her hand. Why is he feeling proud? If she's, you know, job well done on her end, you'd think she's the one that's feeling well, proud. Well, he's still standing proud, perhaps. No, he's not standing. No, well. And He's, why parts of, all, of him are standing? Why proud. are the walls shouting? No longer shouting because there was no indication earlier that they were shouting. So I'm thinking that they're going at it so hot and heavy no. that maybe the neighbor <laughs> next door, because we know that the no. walls in Amsterdam are notoriously thin. No. He's like yelling very, at them. Very densely populated. Yeah. Maybe that it has something to do with that. Got a lot of neighbors around. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he's feeling proud. We don't know why. Um, when the lady smiles, she holds me in her hand. Now, I would think you would say, I'm feeling proud when the lady smiles, but that's not it. Those two thoughts are not connected. So now we're starting with a new topic. And the new topic is when the lady smiles, she holds me in her hand. As a matter of fact, she could always let me down. But when the lady smiles, I can't resist her call. As a matter of fact, I don't resist at all. Right. So... So as a matter of fact, she could always let me down. Does he know what let me down means? Well, this is where you never know how. I mean, this could be, I'm not sure if I would call it poetic, but the the, the potential, uh, the, you know, spectrum literal to metaphorical explanations of some of that stuff. Um, it might mean more if it were coming from native English speaker, you, you might, uh, yeah, think that, that more is being implied. But in his case, maybe he's saying she's sure. a tease so she can call him, but he doesn't know. Maybe she's gonna do the resourceful mouth and the fingertips thing. Maybe not, but he can't resist her call. He doesn't resist at all. So he's just, you know, he doesn't care either. It's going to happen or it's not going to happen, <laughs> but he's not gonna, you know, he's not going to have like the transactional conversation that a Dutch couple might have. He's like, okay, well, if I come over, What's gonna happen? Right, because it's I'm raining gonna, outside. Yeah. I don't. I'm not gonna come over. If coming you know. over, yeah, and, and anyway. then I'll come all over. Mm. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, he doesn't resist at all. Cause I'm walking on clouds, and she's leading leading the way. My friends tell me she's the beast inside your paradise. I guess you've heard it all before. A fallen angel that has got you hypnotized, and that always needs some more. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love it. She's done nothing to mislead me. So again, there's something going on in the yeah. background where his friends are saying she's a tease, but she, he doesn't care. But no, because um, every time we meet, the earth is shaken. It doesn't. Oh, this must be the chorus. It doesn't matter. A glass has fallen. I hear it shatter. Maybe it's raining faster and faster. Shadow dancing together. Oh, I I'm betting on the game of love. He's doing that again. Yeah. I'm betting on, so this when the, wa the walls no longer shout. Um, 
and then you know he repeats um fade out i guess i'm very confused probably I, not I, best I, to think too much about me, it. just so. <laughs> just just go with it yeah um but then i was looking up uh jimmy wales and his peeps uh say a few more things about the song Mm. Oh yeah, uh, but so, oh, before yeah, we get into yeah, that, yeah, yeah. so now Spotify is written, um, recommended is Herman Brod, oh and yeah, his band, That's his Wild one. Romance, and there's a hair salon called Wild Romance, so that must be what it's named after, I bet. Yep, I could see that. Okay, now sure. we're jumping over to Wikipedia. Apparently, this song was quite controversial, and not for the fact that the lyrics make no sense, <laughs> but, um, so here we go. According to Wikipedia, When the Lady Smiles is a 1984 song by the Dutch band Golden Earring. It was first, it was the first single from their album N-E-W-S, N-E-W-S News, but it actually stands for North, East, West, South, following their United States top hit Twilight Sound. When the Lady Smiles was a chart disappointment in America, only reaching number 76. Jeez, I can't imagine why. On the Billboard Hot 100. However, the song became the band's fifth Hot 100 charter, making Golden Earring the most successful Dutch band on the United States singles charts. It was in the Netherlands, their fifth number one song. Um, okay, here comes the controversy. The commercial success of When the Lady Smiles in the United States was thwarted by the song's controversial music video directed by Dick Mass. One scene portrays Golden Earring lead singer Barry Hay attempting to rape a nun on a metro car. Because of the rape scene, the video was banned from MTV. Dutch actor Hub Stoppel has a cameo in the music video as an elevator mechanic referencing the movie De Lift. Also appearing in several scenes is Hans Vandenberg, lead singer of Grupo Sportivo. Hmm... What? But New then York's, Hills picked it up. Oh, my God. New York Senator Hillary Clinton used When the Lady Smiles yep. during her campaign in the U.S. presidency of 2008. The decision led to criticism of both American and Dutch figures because of the song's lyrics and graphic controversial video. I mean, again, someone else not doing a hint of research Well, here. no. The, yeah, the, the intern uh, looked and saw the title of the song and said, oh, yeah, this would be great. And, you know, we need to brand her as somebody who's capable of smiling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, she doesn't strike me as an especially resourcefully lipped, uh, lady, no. but I guess we'd have to ask Bill. Whenever the lady smiles was pulled from Hillary Clinton's campaign after her team discovered the assault scene in the song's music video. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, the fact that maybe she's not so resourceful was all part of Bill's, you know, problems in the first place. <laughs> oh my God. So this is a nice segue into a conversation that I had about the Amsterdam Gay Pride Canal Parade 2024. We're going to be on a boat again. It's very exciting. When we did this two years ago, it was one of the best days of my life. Um, But we got into the conversation of themes. So just because lyrically or the title of the song fits the theme doesn't necessarily mean it's a song that anybody wants to hear ever again. And my argument was nobody wants to hear John Mellencamp's Hurt So Good or um, Olivia. My dad used to call her Olivia Neutron Bomb. Yep. Um, you know, let's get high back all. 
yeah. because you know because they're not nobody likes the music. You mean that as workout songs? Yeah. For so I'm putting yeah. together a song of irresistible anthems. Hopefully, we'll see some of them on the playlist just this year for the parade. Yeah. Although both those would work in the gay pride parade as well. But no, they I won't because no, the songs they suck. I'm saying that they're not just uh, workout songs. They could be. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but I mean, you and I have very different views about this. I think I, I, you don't give, uh, you really think that Gainer is, is off limits, uh, all day. And, uh, I just don't think anybody wants to hear that song anymore. It doesn't matter. It's representative. Nobody ever wanted to hear that song particularly, but well, um, it, when it first came out, it was, couldn't get enough of it. Apparently. Um, love that. I used to love that song. Now I don't need to hear it anymore. I think it should, that all day it should just be that, uh, just cover versions of it. Um, well, like, I am throwing in an- remixed anthems, so people will hear something right. familiar with, like, like I'm putting in Blue Man Group's version of "I Feel Love," which is just spectacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so I am, I am staying within the theme, but I'm freshening it up a bit. And that song is from like 2006. So, what if, um, if Vinatero did it, uh, Lord Vinatero, that, um. Brazilian pianist uh, with the uh, chicken. The yeah, because chicken. everybody you, you would, would know that. No, but that that might be for the after after party. That'd be really okay. funny. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so lately we've been talking about uh, political newsletters. So you Wait, get yeah. J- just oh, to mm. touch on something you said there. Um, so I think what you implied there is that they should be songs that everyone should know. Yeah. Okay, but then that would certainly put Gainer and company and the uh, Viage people. Those, those songs uh, are not the only songs that everyone knows. There are other songs that are. everyone knows. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. So, um, Okay, but then that also means that you can't really do the Blue Man uh, or um, uh, remixes. If you're doing the you know, John Peel approach to, oh, I'm going to showing something they've never heard before it's like you know we, we don't want they that they have today. heard it before it's okay. just an a fresher well take. yeah they heard donna singing it yeah but donna is singing it it's just blue man group remixing right, it right it's really really fun i guess i should say they and heard the, even this song is like this version is 20 years old so just please just yep. anything other than ymca and gloria gainer just anything please 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 <laughs> YMCA's got good lyrics, actually. Have you looked at the lyrics for that recently? For what? For YMCA. I don't, I don't, I want to get YMCA out of my head. It's good, too. Can we please talk about political newsletters? Political newsletters? Oh, sure, yeah. The dumbing down. What do you have to say? I want to talk about the dumbing down of America. (laughs) Somehow. Dumbing down of everywhere. It must be through the Pete Buttigieg newsletters I used to get, but, uh, Kamala has started emailing me and with the same veracity and frequency that Bernie emails you. And the last newsletter I got was the Joe that I know. And it must be in response <sighs> to everyone questioning his. Like, his I mean, for example, his, yeah. you know, mental faculties. Right. And the email used the word got. Probably half a dozen times. Example. We've got to understand or oh, yes. he's Meaning we got must. the picture or just, I mean, 
literally second grade vocabulary right words well, I unsubscribed, but I probably shouldn't have. So we need to pay attention to what's happening here. Uh, I mean, maybe she actually speaks with him frequently, so she has to choose her words carefully. He's not the one reading it. I was no. I'm it. saying she's used to speaking to him like a eight year old because she's you know never been capable. No, this probably, is about the dumbing down of America. No, but the point is that she's been dumbed down because she's oh. steeped in a pool of idiocy. <laughs> um and 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 not necessarily idiocy. I have to assume that some of them are fairly capable, but um they're not called upon uh to be capable and no one holds them to task for being capable. So They've um, thrived on a career's worth of mediocrity. I mean, that's the most that well, anybody could ever say. Because on the one Obiden. hand, she she uses second grade words. On the other hand, she doesn't come out directly and say what she's trying to say. So she's relying on my intelligence right. to understand what she's implying, which which is that he isn't mentally incapacitated, <laughs> and at the same time is assuming that I am perhaps mentally compromised because I can only understand emails from the vice president at a second grade le reading level. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, well, like, we get the leaders we deserve. Here's another controversial idea that I had the other day, and I've been trying... It, it, I had a kind of conspiracy theory idea around it um, that was funny, but only... A professional comedian could get away with this concept and so I don't want to be canceled so I'm not going to say what my original thought was but I would like to put forth the new concept or rule that if you are a professional actor and you come out publicly against any sort of war or you come out with any sort of political stance or we see you marching in any sort of demonstration or parade that you are not allowed to take a fee for any work that you may do in a movie that has anything to do with war. So uh, I'm going to go. This is as far as I'm going to go with this. Yeah. Schindler's List. Sure. Some list. Um, if World War II had never happened, then there would be no need to make this movie to tell this important story. There's no need to make the movie anyway. It's, but I'm just saying <laughs> that there that. could be a connection between Hollywood and warmongers where it's like, oh, we're going to do this war and then forever and ever and ever we're going to make movies about war heroes and we're going to make huge amounts of money. Okay, let's well, take let's take something slightly less controversial than um, you know the world's most um, successful Jewish director. Let's take let's look at um, Oppenheimer. Okay, what if every actor, director, screenwriter, every single person that had anything to do with that movie, you were not allowed to take a fee, so you could raise money. No, you couldn't raise money for for the movie. Everybody has to donate their time and equipment for free if you are going to make a movie about war. How about that? 
not sure where you're going with that. I mean, what does it mean to make a movie about war? What I'm war? going with it is, is, is it, is it... Do you actually think that Oppenheimer is about war? I didn't see it, but... Well, yeah. But I mean, is it a form of profiteering is what I'm asking. Okay, but you think it's about war. I think a lot of people would say it's not about war. It's about ending a war. No, it's about a dude who is instrumental in very instrumental in ending okay how about band of brothers how about band of brothers that's not about war either what's it about happens to take place in war but it's it's about it's about world war ii michael it's about a unit in world war ii that unit would not have existed if world war ii had never happened well the i no, that's not true i mean okay so you're saying literally when units are formed let me make this as broad as possible this is what i'm thinking let me make this as broad as possible for you so you don't get you know pedantic and annoying is making movies about war a form of profiteering i don't know what it means to make movies about war particularly do you is it impossible for you to understand the concept that i'm trying to lay before you is Full Metal Jacket not about war? About a war with a, about characters within the co- that interact with each other within the context of war? I would say Full Metal Jacket, like anything that comes out of Kubrick's head, is just about his views about certain things. Michael, now, can you please it, just he, come to my side here? I mean, do you I, understand the question that I'm asking? Without not particularly, okay. no, I, right. I I don't because I don't. Um, I I think. What I'm hearing in a way is that um, essentially you, uh, war is cheap. Uh, it's So there's instant um, emotion and drama and suffering and tragedy. And heroism. In, in war. And, and that's fine. Uh, I mean, and, and that that's a shortcut. Uh, it's like... Why should I care about these? If we assume that as a you know audience, then we're supposed to care about these people or the uh, events that we see taking place on the screen. Then it has to be has to be serious stuff, as opposed to making a small movie about you know small ideas. And by small, I just mean they're not world changing. Okay, it's like all the you know it's all on the line here. Yes, I think that anyone who feels compelled to only create art that's all about saving the world or whatever, or how the world would be drastically different if the protagonists don't get to do this or whatever. Um, yeah, that's cheap and lazy. And when you do that successfully, um, it's not as uh, much of a artistic statement I don't think as when you can make smaller stories more compelling um, for example this is not the sort of example that you might appreciate but if you think about something like the war of the ring like this is high fantasy if that ring isn't destroyed all bets are off okay so I mean actually not Sauron's not going to destroy the world people uh, who are fighting against Sauron uh, don't like the world that they think he would uh, be in charge of. And and that's fair enough. But I'm just saying everything changes if the ring isn't destroyed, it is, is the basic premise. So yes, you can make that sort of thing um, very uh, exciting and yeah, instant drama. As opposed to something like a Conan story where it's never about the whole world. It's always about a small problem 
in possibly a backwater. None of these people particularly matter. And in that sense, anything they do and the problems that they encounter don't especially matter. When you create good drama out of small events, small people and small stories, yeah, that's great. I, I tend to enjoy that more. Anyway. I'm, I'm happy that that's what you enjoy more. The question that I'm asking is, is making movies about war, about factual war, a form of profiteering? These are important stories that need to be tell, sure. told. Fine, agree, tell them for free. You are not allowed <laughs> right, to make free. money by yep. telling the stories yep. off of the backs of terror and tragedy and loss and trauma of somebody that this actually happened to. Yeah, I I don't approve of that sort of thing in, in general, uh, in part because I'm so suspicious of the human impulse to, you know, do that as soon as you see that, oh, based on true events, it, that change, that, that's why the, the Fargo um, opening titles are, are brilliant. It's basically just tell a big lie, just say that this stuff really happened and all of a sudden everybody's into the story. It's no. all a bunch of nonsense. I it think didn't I'm going to have to ask somebody else this question because well, you just but, always go off on your own tangent. No, I I, I'm, I, I see that as the, the same sort of, look, I, the, one of the reasons that I don't tend to like historical fiction, um, and it really, it depends a great deal on, on the time period. I don't think that any stories that happened, <laughs> stories, I, I'm biasing it by calling it stories. There's no such thing as, Fic, uh, as nonfiction stories. Those are just events. Those are just facts. Now, when you construct a story that's necessarily going to have your point of view and all of those co-creators, their points of view are all going to be uh, injected into that. I think that's very dangerous, especially so when it's very uh, recent events. So I don't believe that there should be any nonfiction or documentary or, you know, pseudo documentaries about things that are in the relative, uh, you know, well, if we're too close in time that the people who actually lived through those events are actually alive, I think that's very dangerous uh, because of how you're portraying real people um, in, uh, in a manner that's going to be misleading uh, in many ways. Yeah. Go ahead. If you want to create uh, whatever historical fiction about, I mean, Napoleon, I suppose, is far enough in the past. But that movie, for example, uh, is, you know, such an historical mess. Like, why even call it Napoleon? Because we know what the real Napoleon did. So why make up a bunch of nonsense? Again, that's just a cheap way to get people into the theaters especially french people apparently really taken in by it um so yes i'd be all for if only they'd had like jerry lewis make a cameo in that movie then you would have gotten a hundred percent of all fantastic. french people seeing it that would have been fantastic mm. um i mean you could argue that all fiction is historical fiction except for um uh, uh science fiction as well, soon as you've read it it's historical fiction well, but there there are historical accounts. If it takes place on Earth, then it's historical. Yeah, but when as soon as somebody makes a narrative about it, it's like, oh, I'm going to tell my story about this period in history. Now, I think it can be very cleverly done, and I tend to appreciate it 
you know, the, the farther back in time uh, that it is. I think um, Rome, for example, is extremely clever. Uh, yes, you know, Caesar is a real dude. Obviously, we know a lot about what Caesar and Antony and all, all these folks did. The idea of building story around the only <laughs> two other folks that are mentioned in Caesar's uh, Gallic Wars, that's genius. So we know that those real... There was there was a polo uh, and uh, there was Varanus. Uh, but the you know Rome miniseries makes those two people the most important people that we've you know virtually never heard of. They tend to be present at every important historical event in Rome uh, during that time period. That's great. So, uh, and obviously, you know, who knows uh, who their descendants are now, who they could be offended by their portrayal in there. It's just a bit of fun. Yes, these people existed. We have more documentary evidence of their existence than we do of Christ. Uh, and you, you created a hell of a story around them uh, using real people and real events. That's clever, I think. So the lesson here is that all historical fiction is nonsense except for the historical fiction that Michael likes. Like the Rome well, all historical fiction is nonsense uh, in that the, the real world is much more, nonfiction is much better than fiction. It's much more interesting. The, the only story is everything that's ever happened uh, since the universe was created. That's the complete story. Everything else is cherry picking. Now, it doesn't mean you might not like the story that comes out of it, but you can't call it true. It's not true because it's incomplete. I mean, let's take your World War II example. Now historians tend to say, oh, well, World War One, World War II, it's actually, it's all part of the same event, essentially, because if there hadn't been such a shit deal at Versailles, then, you know, you can't have the rise of Hitler without um, the treaty that comes out of World War One, for example. And, and we tend to do that when stuff gets... Uh, farther back in time, we do that anyway. You know, the 80 years war, the 100 years war. It doesn't mean that there's constant fighting during that time. It's just how we've reframed those events. That's what we do. We make shit up. That's what historians do. They make shit up. The best way to understand these events is to contextualize it this way. Okay, so says you, a person who never lived through it. That's very interesting, but I don't have to adopt that view. That's just you making up stuff and writing books. Fine. Everybody can do that. Maybe I'll read your books. Doesn't mean you're, you're speaking truth. Just making shit up. That's what historians do. Anyway. I don't think they make shit up. I think make they try up. to contextualize. That's making shit up. As soon as you're imposing your framework, I mean, music theorists make shit up. The, the, the octave... But that's what this human beings this. do. Our entire yes. our entire civilization is based around um, uh, myth and con and the consensus of adopting or adhering to a myth, so that we can all live together, so that we can make sense of the world. We we try and make sense of the world, and we often don't realize the limitations that we're imposing as soon as we do that. As soon as we contextualize something, as soon as we frame it, oh, you know what? Um, those notes are actually the same in a way, in a theory sense. Those are both, those are octaves. It's like, no, they're not the same at all. You put them on an oscilloscope, 
those are entirely different <laughs> notes. Why are you now? You'd say, well, because the one is vibrating twice, you know, whatever the frequency is twice as uh, high. So that's why you know you you can, in a sense, view them as the same note if you're going to say that there's only twelve notes. But they're not the same notes, and there's not only twelve notes. Now, I'm not criticizing music theory, but I'm saying that as soon as you're imposing that structure on something that doesn't actually exist, the only thing that really exists is that sound, the pressure that's going through the air. If, we, if I want to call that a G and I want to say that uh, this thing, is <laughs> that note is part of the same triad, that's fine, but that has limitations to impose that structure on the, the the information exists independent of the to go back to what we were talking about before the facts exist in the historical events without the historians framing it and contextualizing it and the same with music theory those sound waves exist without us calling them what they what we've chosen to call them and saying that the way to understand them is to view them in this context yeah, but it's not, therefore, it's not a limitation. It's a, it, it, you've used the word yourself. It's a framework. It's a parameter. Because if you didn't, we'll, we'll continue to use the word limitation. If you didn't impose that limitation, then you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. It gives you a baseline to explore different facets, different perspectives, different points of view. At the expense of truly analyzing what it is. Because as soon as we start thinking about it, the old, you know, person with the hammer and nails sort of idea. As soon as I'm, you know, saying this, I'm Western music theorist, that's something that can come out. Okay, well, name one thing in the world that doesn't have a trade-off. Name one good thing in the world that doesn't have a trade-off. We need those trade-offs. And we can acknowledge those trade-offs. So we could say, okay, yeah, that limitation... The trade-off there is that we're going to call this the same note, but it's not really the same note. Understood. Let's move on. There's a lot if you that you lose unless you spend a lot of time acknowledging that. And unless you're constantly aware, I think, of those uh, limitations, then I, th I think you, you run the risk of losing whatever forest for the trees uh, sort of thing. You're steeped in the analytical framework rather than the reality, the actual existence of what it is that you're trying to analyze. And now we're, you know, trying back to Oppenheimer in a sense. Uh, you know, you're sort of into the Heisenberg uncertainty principle now where uh, in a sense you're trying to impose an analytical framework that is the measurement that in itself is going to change what would have been the actual course. Uh, so, yeah. So you are in an attempt to understand you are actually uh, changing what would have otherwise been there for you to understand. I would have kept the uncertainty principle to myself honestly mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have wanted to disappoint everyone <laughs> by uh, telling them that there is perpetual uncertainty about some or you could ideas. have moved to the netherlands much much earlier and had these endless discussions until the day you died and then the con 
the discussions would keep happening generations after you died and nothing would ever get done. <laughs> no, I mean it. I mean, <laughs> right, the, tra- right, the, yeah. the trade-off on the other hand is that if you don't create these limitations, restrictions, frameworks, parameters, and nothing ever gets done, for better or for worse. Yeah, but what does it mean? If, to- you, if you can never well, establish a baseline. Well, okay, so... <sighs> stuff gets done you know people were writing music uh before we introduced this relatively new way of analyzing it okay i mean yeah let me let me change look we're going to stay on the topic but we're going to change the uh reference point can't stay too long by the way we had but yeah yeah to something that um that i that i if we were to switch positions here and I were to take your position, this was the argument that I would use. Architecture. So yeah. the vast, vast, vast majority of architects are men and that, and therefore buildings are created without taking women's needs in mind. And two very obvious examples are not enough restrooms or, uh, you know, shared stairwells like center. This happened at the, the first Microsoft building. Um, stair Staircases where... There were gaps in between the steps and no handrails. Yeah. So one, you know, you could possibly be exposed if somebody's you're wearing a skirt and somebody's standing yeah. under the stairwell and you've got your backpack and possibly your high heels on. So without a handrail, it's very hard to get up those stairs. Um, yep. So in that respect, like the framework or the baseline um, by the people who are making these decisions can um, negatively impact 50% of the population. Yep. Um, and so then I guess... We go back to uh, if we're going to continue to talk about, you know, frameworks to just make sure that the people that are establishing those frameworks have enough diverse perspectives around the framework that, you know, you're off to a pretty good start that that is inclusive and takes everybody into consideration. Yeah. And and I think just to follow up a little bit on that. I think that you could think of that as there is always potential for self-correction and refinement and rethinking w- within those frameworks. So, you know, whatever, what is, as soon as you start studying uh, Eastern music theory, you know, should you then incorporate some of those ideas into a more, you know, holistic uh, or, you know, world spanning um, musical analysis? Uh, yeah, maybe so. That might be one way of doing it. Um, I'm not saying this would be um, desirable uh, or necessary, but for that particular example, if you had for uh, a, a building or an office situation um, where there are only men, uh, it would be unnecessary to have, I mean, now we're really into dangerous territory here, but uh, you don't need to have women's restrooms uh, if there's only men. Uh, so let's bring it back to the military and war again. Uh, you know, if you don't have uh, ladies in the, the military, then obviously you don't need ladies' restrooms. Uh, and now that that's not... Um, I don't think it speaks ill of the architects for men's barracks that they didn't put a ladies' restroom in there. That would obviously be unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So, when I was yeah. before Ozarko, when I was working at Microsoft and I would attend these big scientific conferences on AI or whatever, it was the only time where there was a line for the men's restroom and no line for the women. <laughs> yeah. So like, okay, here's also yeah. a problem that we, you know, right. we need to address. Um, 
Do you remember the thing you said yesterday that made me laugh so hard? What was it? No. <laughs> I was hoping you'd remember so that we could bring it up here. What was it about? I don't know. You said something horrible, but it was really funny. I said something horrible. Yeah, can you imagine? About someone? No, I don't know. Something? New. About uh, politicians? We need to get going. Maybe. But the new, I have a new band word for my band words list. Yeah. For the podcast. The band, the new band word is protocol. (laughs) Everybody says protocol. Protocol. It's a great word. You can't be. But everybody overuses it now. Everybody says protocol what's the protocol i mean don't say protocol when procedure will suffice or grocery list will suffice or recipe or recipe or recipe will suffice suffice don't don't say protocol when you can use any other commonly used word please yeah i I might have to uh in the banned word segment so i i'll just say okay then then you have to suggest uh alternatives um yeah. and yeah there there probably are sufficient alternatives what we we just saw um uh we just saw some dutch uh translation subtitles for uh the the whale film oh yeah and um that was uh they kept translating amazing as unbelievable yeah uh ongelooflijk um and again, sarcasm is is, is sarcasm in the Netherlands is um, expressed with words, not with intonation. Although, because it has such a limited vocabulary, sometimes more often than not, they use intonation to express a sentiment rather than words. Right. So the so the um, the sarcastic uh, line in the script was, "Oh, thanks a lot," and the Dutch transition was "dikke merci," which means like you know, fat, thank you, but in French. So it's like fancy. Right, right, right. Um, So you could, you would, um, you could get the sentiment there, which I thought was, I always. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that's amused by those yeah, things. Yeah, so. but it, it, for the, uh, you know, word bands or substitutions, I mean, I, I certainly don't think of amazing as the same as unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's use the word, I just use dicke. So dicke means fat, but it also yeah. means swollen. Thick. Or yeah. thick. Yeah. So if you have a you know a dick ankle, it means you have a fat ankle, but they really mean you have a swollen ankle because you've injured your ankle. Right. It, right. They can. It's a multi. Most most Dutch words are multi-purpose. Yeah. And not in the way that they're um, have totally different meanings, like in English, but they all kind of sort of mean yeah. mean, mean the same thing when you know without nuance. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, that's too. Um, I'm harping on this particular example uh, because I do think that if you wanted uh, something that is literally synonymous with unbelievable is incredible. Those actually do mean the same thing. Um, but but uh, amazing. No, not so. Mm-mm. So anyway, uh, but I don't know um, uh, how those things are. I assume that some of them are general machine translations, and maybe they have people actually review them to, to tighten them up a bit. I, I don't know how Usually they do Usually there's things. a credit for vertaling. Yeah, well, and then with the Netflix series, you'll always see yeah, who who, who got to dub the Turkish Tom Cruise or whatever, that, mm. that kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. So strange how many hundreds of millions of people have never heard Tom Cruise's actual voice. Yes. In the movie. Yep, yep, they just saw him jumping on a couch. Mm. Who's that person? He should be locked up. <laughs> oh, he was in love. Uh, anyway. Okay. Thank you. All right. All Thank right. you. Yep, bye.